For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, it is Angie with the good news. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got my buddies back. You heard them this week. You hear them pretty much every week. Michelle Ron, Donna Hetzler, and Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. And uh, we've got a couple of um, good news stories and then I've been uh, reading a book. I should have brought it today. Things I would do differently, and it's well-known Christian speakers, authors, singers talking about things that they would do differently if they had to do it all over again. Uh, some of them with kids that are raised, etc. So I'm going to ask you that question. And then, of course, we've got the regular good news. And then, Michelle, you said you've got um, a, a lesson, some lessons uh-huh. from a 90-year-old. Ten, Ten, Ten tips. tips for- from a 90-year-old who whose wife died and whose sister died, and he was really lonely, and he just decided to do something about it. Oh, I love I, that. I was, it's yeah. very you don't have to be 90 to be lonely. Right. I'm telling That's you that true. much. Right. All right, uh, well, let's start with a good news story. Uh, this is, and a lot of you have heard it, but I just think it's sweet. It's gone viral. A four-year-old uh, singing with her dad, You've Got a Friend in Me, and I just I think it's stinking cute. It is. <laughs> Just remember what your old pal said. Yeah, you got a friend in me. This father isn't the only one in the family with the gift of a good voice. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Now this dad and daughter are taking the internet by storm. Dave Crosby and Claire Ryan's duet of You Got a Friend in Me has more than 3 million views on YouTube. Crosby says he knew his daughter was interested in music since she was a year old when she started playing with a keyboard in their home. Now four, Claire can certainly carry a pitch and keep up with her dad. And as the years go by, stranger to internet fame. Her cover of a song from Disney's The Little Mermaid went viral last year. Now with her dad in on the act, we'll see where they take this show this year. And if you could see her, she's sitting on the couch and her little toes, she's just, <laughs> just moving, moving her little it. feet. Yeah, it's absolutely darling. Oh, yeah. I love yes, that. I love beautiful. the uninhibitedness of yeah. her. Yes. Her voice, she's just like, I don't care if That's I right. miss a tune, right. don't hit a note properly. I mean, perfectionism is not even in the forefront of her mind. She's just singing. I with love, all her heart. Yes. I love that. You know, my, my daughter, Hope, she likes to sing, and the other two kids couldn't care less. But whatever <laughs> song is on the radio, like even if she doesn't know it, she'll find a couple of words she does, and she just bursts into song at any, <laughs> for, you know, any any reason, you yeah. know, and it just like, she and she lets it loose. You know, right. she loves to I'll do, do that. I'll do that in church if it, the music's loud enough, yes. but then sometimes you keep singing, and there it goes right. to in, instrumental, and I'm like, Joyful noise. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Joyful noise, Michelle yeah, says. Absolutely. Doesn't care. Oh, that That's is good. funny. That wow. is so funny. I mean, you know, we got to hope a karaoke um, machine, oh, basically, yeah. a microphone and, you know, yeah. the whole nine yards. And so my niece, after being with us on uh, Christmas when it was delivered to Hope by, uh, by Santa, of course, uh, she said, um, I think the karaoke machine is going to get lost in the basement because mm-hmm. it went on for so long. Even the joyful noise got to be too much <laughs> for my niece, you know. I mean, boy, how many songs can you sing at oh, karaoke? Wow. A lot. That's cool. A lot. That's okay. Cool. All right, Donna and Beatrice, um, have you thought about the things? 
advice that I would do differently if I had it to do over again? Michelle, start with yours because I love yours. I've really taken it into account many times about listening to Jesus more and earlier in your life. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I love my life, exactly. And if I only had one thing to change and look back on my hundred years, I would change only one thing, and that would be spend more time with Jesus. And I sometimes it takes a health issue, it takes a catastrophe, it takes some kind of a thing right. to push you into that. But yes. as a young mom, oh my goodness, I wish I had done Listened that. You know, and God time. It, it, well, because it, it does. You you establish that relationship with Jesus, and there's nothing that can be better. Nothing that can well, be better. Well, that's interesting because Donna told me last time she was in here, Donna Hetzler, uh, writer, speaker, that you started getting up at 5 a.m. to spend three hours with God to write and listen to wow. God and five years ago. And I'm like, yes. wow, how did, how did that? How did you do how, that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't easy. Yeah, and no. I grumbled a lot. She's yeah. not a morning person. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, not a morning person. Uh -huh. So it started with, you know, the index finger like, okay, God, I'm going to do this <laughs> once and once <laughs> only. And right. that was you know, I had some attitude going and, and, uh, it just transformed my life and the way I started my day. Wow. It just changed. I could tell if I didn't get up in the morning and meet with God, yeah. that I was a little more edgy, that I wasn't as compassionate yeah. and it changed my outlook for the day. So, um, it just, it changed everything. Wow. Three hours. Three hours. She yes. writes though That's too. A lot. That's oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I spend my first, you know, half an hour or so in scripture okay. and just some prayer right. with him. And and um, I do something similar to you, the journaling and scripture doodle mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Some mornings I'll do that if I'm feeling creative just to get the right brain working yes. a little bit. And then I'll just sit there and have some silence and say, what? Okay. What do you want to say today mm -hmm. to me? Mm -hmm. And then I will write that out. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that will be read by other people yeah. and encourage them yes. and bring them hope and good news as well. Love that. Yeah. All right, Beatrice, what would you do differently? I would have a relationship with the Lord earlier earlier yeah yeah because that was something that was missing I, I grew up no offense to anyone in a Baptist church mm -hmm. and it the truth just was not taught the way I needed it to be taught to me um, the, the church I grew up in we had uh, they talked about two Jesus's little Jesus and big Jesus mm. there was no Holy Spirit mm. and so there was no relationship Mm -hmm. with God interesting and had I um, had a relationship with him earlier in my life my life probably would have been completely different than and, what it and is are now. you an elementary are you a teenager at this time or that was when would in, you say that was elementary to teen okay yeah okay. And so when yeah. would you say you'd be like what you were saved um when I was 32 years old mm-hmm yeah. Even though you grew up in the church. Yeah. I would say for me, because I, I wasn't living at home when I was 12 to 13, and so I was taken to church um, in a couple of different instances, and that then when I moved back in with my mom, um, I did not you know, I wasn't taken to church, mm -hmm. and so I wish I would have been. That would have been so nice in my teenage years to have that Christ relationship because mm -hmm. I think it was so wonderful at 12 and 13 to have that and then to not have it. I think it definitely left an emptiness kind of in my heart, and all I did is work and go to school, straight-A student, and, and worked I 40 hours a week. What that says to me as uh, to those little moms out there that are listening to us today, what your statement is you wish that you had been taken to church, and yeah. God Bless the little moms who are dragging their kids, Amen. kicking yes. and Amen. screaming Absolutely. to church, and know that it's worth it. Know yeah. that it's worth it. Definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely. I remember once I was at a women's retreat and I was praying about something else, and then I really felt, you know, in my heart, um, if you don't teach your kids the love of Christ, who will? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, so that's my responsibility, you yeah. know. And, and see, I always kind of knew it was. Yeah, because I didn't have that relationship, I thought God hated me. Really? You know, uh, until I was in my 30s. And then I found out that, you know, he loves me mm -hmm. and he wants the best for me. All this other stuff, that was just life. Mm -hmm. Life happened and I didn't have that relationship with him. 
you know, so it's very important that we get it at an early age. Yes. So, so many of the people in this book that I'm reading, and again, I wish I would have brought it, Things I Do Differently, and uh, Ann Graham Lotz is in there, Billy Graham's daughter, and, you know, many well-known uh, singers, et cetera, pastors, writers. And uh, a lot of them in the first chapter I'm reading are talking about how they wish they would have spent more time with their children, been involved mm-hmm. in volunteer work at the school, uh, done more sporting events with their kids, you know, just time with them. Mm-hmm. And then some of the others involved spending more time with God, leaning on God, listening to God more. But it's interesting to hear all these Christian movers and shakers and what they would have done differently. And I'm trying to think of the Christian singer that has a song out now, but right along with that topic, it's it's Letter to Me. Oh. It's hmm. it's a great, great Christian song. And I, I'm not sure that's the title of it, but it's a wonderful song, Letter Letter to Me in My Younger Years or something like that. Okay. Maybe we can come up with that. Yeah, yeah, I'll look it, that it's up. It's right on that topic. All right, Brad guys. Paisley. Who is, is it? it? Oh, Paisley? Yes. Paisley? Oh, oh good. Okay. Letter to me. Well, I've got right. All right, so let's uh, talk again, if you're just joining us, um, uh, three of my author, Christian friends, speakers, Beatrice Bruno, Donna Hetzler, and uh, Michelle Ron. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about, so it's a 90-year-old, he's lonely, and these are 10 lessons that he ten learned. Tips. Ten tips. Ten tips. And he's single. And not just 90-year-old. <laughs> my mother-in-law's very lonely. Now. Is he single? <laughs> well, and, and many yeah, people Many people are lonely. Yes. There are a at, lot of lonely people. At any age, well, people are lonely. especially now with yes. this technology technology yes. and everything else. They think they have lots of friends and they're more oh. singled out and lonely. But this this little guy comes from the UK and it says that uh, his wife passed away and his sister, right, within a really close a range of span wife and uh, sister uh, time and this is um done but he, by himself he said after taylor wanted to stop feeling lonely because he didn't have anyone to talk to on a daily basis and so he decided bless his little heart to come up with all these 10 tips mm-hmm. but i want to give some statistics before i give the tips it, as pointed out by this town where he lives in the uk he's it says taylor isn't alone in experiencing loneliness at this stage in his life and they note a statistic that says 35% of people over 65 spend time with friends most or every day, but an overwhelming 12% never do. Around 5 million people in the UK consider television their main source of company. Oh, and and I, I mean, I see that in my, my experience with going into independent, assisted, and nursing care. But anyway, some of his tips were, I just love it because it seems kind of like a common sense no-brainer, but to do it. He says, number one, make an effort to make new friends. Well, that that takes that takes, takes some gumption. You yes. bet it does. Yeah. Uh, join a hobbies club. He happened to join a garden huh. club. Visit That's your, a good idea. Yeah. I mean, real simple. Real simple. But boy, you, I mean, come Some, on. If you're not getting out and then you find people with like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. hobbies and interests. Well, and and I don't know about you, but like our local little hub uh, newspaper thing that comes once a week has in there clubs that meet oh, and that neat. you can go. And, and have, if you're not computer savvy, have your daughter, son, grandson exactly. help because there are these meetups. And I, I like to hike and there's all these meetups for hiking and there's yep. meetups for people who like to paint or Meetups for people who like to garden is really cool. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. and and know that it, not all of these cost money by right. any by any means. Yes. He says, visit your local community or resource center and find out what they offer, which is exactly what you're saying. And then he does say, <laughs> which I can just hear my little friends going, "Are you kidding?" Learn to use a computer mm-hmm. at your library, mm-hmm. but you know what? It's good for our brain. As frustrated as I get with that darn computer, mm-hmm. he says. Um, uh, well, I'm skipping a couple of these, but contact friends and relatives that you haven't spoken to recently. And the last one, which there's there's 10 of them. If you just Google not, uh, tips from the 90-year-old, you'll find them. But his last one was do volunteer work if you're able to do it. And I would add to that because we have heard from ARC so many times. Right. You don't have to even be able to physically do these things, but you can honestly volunteer mm-hmm. with oh, an organization. You can be a so greeter, anybody, you anybody. Can, you know, work behind the counter at ARC where you just unlock the counter for, you know, the nice purses. I mean, there are a lot of things right. that you can do, even if it's just smiling and welcoming people from a wheelchair exactly. or, you know, from I a mean, chair you, if you, you don't, don't walk have well. To. I love his last statement, though. He says, you feel as though you're alive again. Mm -hmm. And there's the biggie. 
there's the big deal is because when you're lonely like like that you feel so isolated isolated. Mm -hmm. and so on the flip side from that if you are spending time with elderly Mm -hmm. um one thing actually three things i had noted was a lot of elderly people don't get touched the same way they don't get hugged or loved so the power of a handhold or an embrace for Mm -hmm. the elderly um listen to them they Mm -hmm. feel so unheard they feel like at their age whatever that age is that Mm -hmm. the youth it just feels you know they Mm-hmm. They give the message that they are useless or don't have worth as you get older. And I think yeah. the world teaches that. So yeah. listen really well. And then if you are the elderly, I would advise to let go of your agendas because we all get set mm-hmm. in our ways mm-hmm. and we want things done our way. So we meet new friends yes. and it's like, mm-hmm. but okay, but we're going to go to the movies at 12 and then we're going to get popcorn at 12.15 and then we're going right. to get go back to, to the car. And my favorite restaurant and, we're gonna do, and yes. my favorite coffee shop so where I always go. So if you want to connect and you're elderly, you have to connect in my let, way. That's right. you got to let go a little bit of Let's, the agenda, too. Two things. First of all, we're going to change that word elderly. Experience. Oh, experience. experience. I oh, love that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 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 I know. Yeah. And I should have known that because yeah, I was okay. at the conference. <laughs> and I noted that and I told my mother-in-law that. Experience. That. Because elderly, you just get this vision in your oh. mind. You know, vision in your mind. But secondly, I will say in defense of we experience, letting go of those things is tough. It is. It is tough. Mm-hmm. So you you really just effort. like this little guy says, you know, you have to make an effort. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. to make an effort to come out of that. And um, so it it is a challenge. But God, what He brings us to, equips us for. And so That's right. you know, He expects us to step out of that little comfort zone. And especially if we've just gone through traumatic things, as losing a spouse and a oh. and a relative at the same time, man, to walk through that fire. Well, you know, we just did a story on the older guy that lost his wife, and he was, like, I mean, depressed, like, really low. Mm -hmm. And he ran into this little four-year-old at the store, and she said, "Uh, hello, old person. (laughs) Old person, it's my birthday. He did not say experienced person. She did not not say hello, experienced person. Yeah, she said hello, old person. And, you know, in speaking with him, she sent something about him and wanted a hug, and he hadn't been hugged, like you Forever. mentioned, Donna, in a very long time. And now the mother, who I just applaud her for getting it, she brings this little girl to visit him, and they have a very special relationship. And he says he has a new sense of purpose now that she pulled That's him out awesome. of his depre- depression because awesome. watching her grow up, he says, now is motivation yep. for him. Yeah. And she's allowed that friendship, the mother, to flourish between and to blossom between those two. And it, it really is a beautiful thing. He's so interested in her life. Life and she's Absolutely. so interested in him. And piggybacking on that, Bessie's Hope is a yes. wonderful organization that takes kids who are needed and uh, nursing home is not what I'm saying. Skilled care, skilled mm-hmm. care people who, that makes a connection with them. And yeah, the touch, two groups who need teenagers who exactly. may be neglected or don't mm-hmm. feel love yep. at home. Challenge, right. Uh, yes, and they are teamed up with people in a retirement home who also aren't getting the visits that mm-hmm. they should get. And it's two groups that really need each other. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful uh, relationship. So wonderful. With the, with the at-risk youth yep. and the seniors. Linda the Holloway and Bessie's people. Hope. Yep. Yeah, Linda Holloway, Bessie's Hope. She has an event coming up pretty soon, too, because... Uh, Yes. You know, right. uh, and then I mentioned to you um, last time, DoreenKatzMemorial.org, mm-hmm. our friend Adam Katz. And if you'd like to sponsor one of the kids, two of the kids um, that you can sponsor right now have lost parents. They're seven and eight, a boy and a girl. They lost their mothers to cancer last year. One of them is an equine therapy that's $65 a month, and you can just sponsor once if you want. And then the boy doesn't like to talk to a therapist, so they are putting him in art and dance therapy because that is easier for him to kind of express himself through the art and the dance. And then two kids, um, they're siblings. They really like sports. Their mom's ill right now with breast cancer, and uh, they would like to do basketball and some other sports. And it's about 100 bucks to sponsor a kid for a team. So that's DoreenKatzMemorial.org. Adam is my friend. He will keep in touch with you. He will let you know exactly where your $65 or $100 or whatever you want to donate is going, and he will give you an update on how the kids are doing in basketball or how the equine therapy is going. This is a passion for him because he lost his wife to cancer. And you heard his story, Beatrice. It was 
unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just thinking if, if your audience wants to go back and, and listen to that interview, it was just it was heartrending. It really was. But he he came through it and um, now he's doing this great thing. Yeah. For other cancer, you know, victims and survivors and what have you. The and it's kids, just a he wonderful says story. the kids can't be kids when their parents are sick or exactly. when they've lost mm-hmm. a parent at such exactly. a young age to yeah. breast cancer. And I just went to the Pink Tie Affair over the weekend, and uh, one of the women got, you know, a, an award for all of her volunteer work. And she mentioned, you know, I lost my sister, and then she started to cry and said, and my 38-year-old daughter with Ooh. two young children. And that's when you go, wow, when these little kids lose a parent, you know, mm-hmm. that is life altering uh, mm-hmm. forever not just this year or next year it's life altering forever uh, so yeah doreencatsmemorial.org and, and in that where you're saying the sports thing and playing yes. so you know it, in my when my girls were growing up all the sports was included in the cost but today public education that is not oh, true so extra. so don't overlook that yes. when you're he going he says he's got kids that. that need books paid for right. uh, kids that you know have school expenses mm-hmm. like you right. just mentioned maybe they want to do lego club that's 150 dollars right. you know whatever it may be he helps all these kids do those events. All right, he's Beatrice. releasing his book here shortly. Yes, his, he, yes. I'll get the info for you. Great. He's going to have a book signing. Beatrice and I Good. are going to go for sure. Good. Beatrice, how do we find you in your books? DrillSergeantOfLife.com. Donna Hetzler. DonnaHetzler.com. MichelleAron.com. And I'm AngieAustinRadio.com. Look, we all have our <laughs> own dot com. How exciting. Yay. We'll be right back with the good news. <laughs> Good news of Jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. All right, if you are looking for the most amazing place to go with your family where you will create so many memories, then go to my favorite place that hopefully will become your favorite place, YMCA of the Rockies. Two locations, Snow Mountain Branch and also Estes Park. They've got a deal now as you head into spring. Now, dates vary, but the deal is phenomenal. Three nights in a lodge room for $168, and it includes two free breakfasts, and you get almost all of the activities for free. You get to swim. You get to roller skate. At one of the locations, there's a lot of sledding. They give you the tubes for free to borrow. You can also pay a little extra for rock climbing. They've got a lot of neat events. But the cabin deal is also really good. A three-bedroom cabin you can get for as low as $145 per night. So it's a four-night stay in a three-bedroom cabin for $582. Call 888-613-9622. 888-613-9622. Or you can head to the website, ymcarockies.org. Hey, it's Angie Austin with the good news. How would you like to help people of the differently abled community just by donating to things in your house? Yes, I'm talking about ARC. And guess what? You don't even have to take them to ARC. I go there and I shop with a purpose all the time and I buy all kinds of great stuff. And it helps people with intellectual and developmental disabilities within our own community. But guess what? They'll come right to your door and pick up your stuff. I have them come about every month or two and I just put everything out of my driveway, put a little note that says ARC on it and they come right to my house and pick it up. And believe me, it makes me feel good to know that I'm helping some of my friends out in the community. So let's tell you how to do this, okay? Call 303-238-JANE. That's 303-238-5263. And they'll come right to your house and they'll pick up all your donations. And don't forget to shop at ARC. It's shopping with a purpose. I get all kinds of stuff for my kids there. Clothes, sporting equipment, boots, gloves, baseballs, bats, basketballs, you name it. Check out ARC. Again, shopping with a purpose and they'll come pick up your items. 303-238-JANE. Natalie Corrado of Remax is the realtor that truly does it all. But don't take my word for it. Just listen to some of the reviews from her website, livingdenver.com. Valerie in Highlands Ranch said, Natalie's knowledge and expertise, as well as her professionalism and warm personality, more than exceeded our expectations. My mother stated that we need to clone her. And how about Jen in Parker? What else to say about Natalie Corrado except amazing? She made the home buying process stress-free and easy. And just listen to what Courtney and Kylan of Castle Rock said. We couldn't have asked for a smoother transaction. And definitely could not have done it without Natalie as our realtor. If you use Natalie, you're not going to regret it. She is the best. When you have Natalie on your side, you won't be wondering if you made the right choice. It doesn't matter if you are selling your house, buying a new house, or both. Find Natalie Corrado at Remax Realtors at livingdenver.com and she will get the job done.
Hey there, it is Angie Austin. Yes, Angie Austin from The Good News. And we are joined today by Sandy Steffes, and she's with Spirit Coaching. And if you feel lost, if you were depressed, if you had a a loss, uh, maybe you've lost a loved one or a job or gone through a divorce, those things can really leave you in a rut. And Sandy works with people uh, through a program that has an end date. You're not in counseling for years. You can get through this in a matter of weeks, which we'll explain. And what I wanted to give you her testimony, her story, because I've known Sandy for years. I worked with her husband, Dan. Uh, I know both of her kids, Wyatt and Michaela. Michaela got sick and uh, she died in elementary school. And that was just, none of us could wrap our heads around the fact that the cancer took her. And uh, Sandy Steffes is joining us after she lost Michaela. She dealt with her own, obviously, grief, dealt with her own grief. And now, Sandy, you feel a calling to help other people get out of that rut of depression, despair, and loss. Is that right? Yes, I I did. Um, Thank you, Angie. Um, I just had, I'd always wanted to be a counselor anyway, but I just never recognized it until Mm -hmm. something just clicked one time. Um, I was talking to one of our neighbors after her husband passed, and um, I, I realized that people had kept coming to me asking for help and advice and what they should do or people they should talk to. And even that took a while for me to, it, it, for that to sink in as to what I should do with my grief. And um, after this one conversation with my neighbor, it just kind of all fell into place. And I couldn't believe how much sense it made that maybe I should, you know, focus more on you know, helping people with the grief, whether they've lost a spouse or a child or anybody, because I had been getting calls from just a lot of different areas. And I was kind of surprised. And I thought, well, maybe this is what I was always meant to do. And maybe this is how I'm supposed to make sense out of what happened with my daughter, Michaela. And so I went for it. (laughs) And isn't that interesting, the way you get, you know, pushed in a certain uh, direction, you know, Um, where, you know, you find your calling and you you wouldn't have ever chosen this path, but now this path leads to offering other people comfort. And you've been real honest with me that, you know, you were mad at God and you had to come to terms terms with losing Mm -hmm. your daughter. And how long has it been now? About 10 years, hasn't it? Yeah, 10 years in October it was. And what grade was she in? She was in fifth grade. She had just started fifth grade. Same age as my little Riley. And I would, you know, we mm-hmm. attended the funeral. And uh, I've told you mm-hmm. many times how that vision of you walking behind her casket with the teddy bear with holding little Wyatt's hand and your Dan, your husband there, just, you yeah. know, seared into my brain because I, 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 I couldn't feel your pain. I didn't know how bad your pain was, but I felt it. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just yeah. had such empathy for what you were going through that it was difficult to watch you going through it. And yeah. I, I so respect you now for using your gifts, your talents to help others. So explain how it works with spirit coaching. Mm-hmm. You're not just taking people through a multi-year, you know, get out of grief, uh, you know, program. This is something yeah. where you have certain steps and specific things to do, and you help them get out of that rut in a matter of weeks or months rather than years. Is that right? Right. Um Yeah, I really try and get to the heart of what is bothering my client at that point. I have a intake that we do at the beginning that kind of goes over a lot of different areas that might be um, bothering my client. And then we kind of take the top five or six and we narrow it down to the one that they feel they most need help with right now. And we talk about that and we go through different steps, different exercises. And it's just a lot of self-realization to what the client probably didn't even know they were going through until they start talking about it. We have all this stuff that goes on in our head. And if we don't talk about it or write about it, it gets stuck in our head. And it just keeps manifesting and manifesting into things that really aren't half the time true. So once you start talking about it, you can come to a realization what is really going on in your life. And then you're able to move forward and reach your goals. And and that's what I try and help you to do is do that yourself. And I just coach you through those steps to, to make that Mark, you know, it's interesting to say we keep replaying things that really aren't real because recently I lost my 53 year old cousin 
And uh, mm-hmm. Julie and Carl had just been out here um, over the summer, and we'd been hiking, and he was a little bit short of breath. And Julie's got five kids. He's got one son. And um, you know, so six kids between the two of them who idolized mm-hmm. him. And so when we, he, when, when we lost him to a stroke, uh, she spoke to me in depth about, you know, I, I kept talking to him about going to the doctor. I, I, I kept saying, you know, you need to get into the doctor and to have your blood pressure checked. And, you know, you're not on your meds anymore. And da, 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 da. And I should have on a, like a vacation just said, instead of going on vacation, let's get our, let's get your doctor appointments. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I said, you can woulda, shoulda, coulda through the rest of your life because you lost your soulmate and you're blaming yourself. I said, but right. it will do you no good because that had had nothing to do with you. He made yep. the choice. You can't force someone to do these things and it's not on you. And she said, I know my kids are telling me the same thing, but that just yep. made me think of that. When you said a lot of the things that people are thinking in their grief, you know, why didn't mm-hmm. I call my brother the night that he was murdered? He called me and I didn't pick up the call because he was tough to talk to because of his mental illness. He could turn on you and be really mean. Mm-hmm. And because of our past, and he had physically assaulted me as a teenager, um, it was difficult when he would bring it back up again or say I deserved it, or he gets, Mm -hmm. he would get dark on the phone. And I was just too tired to deal with it. So of course, when he was murdered that night, I thought to myself, was he depressed? Why didn't I pick up the phone? Why didn't I take his call? Because I could hear it come through, you know, but then Mm -hmm. I didn't pick it up because I was exhausted. And I just thought, you know what, I can beat myself up over this every which way, you know, uh, but I. It has nothing to do with me. But I think you're right. We think these things over and over in our head and we think they're real. And in reality, in both the cases I just mentioned, it has nothing to do with us. Right. The guilt that comes along with the grief is so overwhelming sometimes. And unless you're able to talk it out and realize that, yes, they made their decisions and I did the best that I could with what I had. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's good to talk about it and just that's how you work things out. So, so you know, in terms of your own grief and dealing with the loss of Michaela just starting fifth grade and you've got Wyatt who was, what was he, five at the time? Yeah, yeah. yeah he was five at the just time. a little guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was little and idolized his sister, of course, uh, his older yeah. sister. Um, what, what are some of the things that um, you love? Uh, do you think that you would, if you would have had a you, if you would have had a Sandy Steffes with Spirit Coaching helping you through your grieving process, do you think you would have, uh, it would have been easier for you? Or do you think you help people navigate things now that you've learned through your own pain and navigation of your own loss? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I never really thought about that. I do wish that I would have had a coach at some point with all of the counseling that I went through. I did appreciate all of the counseling that I went through, but now that I've seen what coaching can do for a person, I really wish that I would have known um, about that when I was going through my stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it, coaching is just so new, though, um, although now there's so many different ways you can use coaching. But yeah, grief coach would have really, I think, helped me a lot because I was more concerned. I mean, once I went through my counseling, I knew I was going to be okay, but I was still so concerned about my family and yes, how to take yeah. care of Dan and how to keep take care of White. And there was nothing that people could say or do. I had to figure it out myself. And I really think coaching would have helped me with that. Yeah. You had to navigate, you know, your husband, Dan's grief and then young Wyatt's mm-hmm. grief, losing his sister and questioning why. Um, yeah. and, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Sandy Steffes with Spirit Coaching. We're talking about Sandy's daughter, Michaela, that she lost uh, in fifth grade 10 years ago. And now she helps others get out of that rut of loss. Not necessarily just a loved one, but loss of a job, uh, a pet that's like a family member, uh, a child, yeah. um, a husband, a spouse, uh, uh, parents. Uh, so Sandy helps you get out of that rut if you're feeling just stuck in that sadness, that darkness, that despair, where you feel like each day is just uh, drudgery and you can't get out of it. And I know that sometimes you feel trapped in that kind of feeling. And uh, so you take them through the steps to get them out of that. And I want people to know how to reach you as well, Sandy, before, you know, we wrap up the interview, I want to talk about a few more uh, things, but how do they reach you? Um, They can call me at uh, 720-353-9573. There is also contact information on my website at spirit 
spirit-coaching.net. Spirit-coaching.net, spirit-coaching.net. And they can yes. meet with you or you know, email you and ask you questions about um, how the process works. And again, Sandy right. wants you to, to get out of that rut. She doesn't want you to stay for years, you know, being coached by her. Uh, she actually has like an end point in this coaching where uh, she'd like to, she'd like for you to feel, you know, like you've really navigated that loss and, and that you've gotten out of that rut. All right. So I want to talk about the satisfaction as well. You've been Mm -hmm. coaching people now and uh, it's giving, I guess, some meaning to the loss of your daughter, or at least make sense of it in that you can do something to help others who are also experiencing loss through your own pain. You can help them navigate through their pain. So what has that been like when you have helped people? What is that experience? What was some of the feedback and, you know, how you felt um, when you got that feedback? Well, it has been very interesting because I recognize a lot of myself in my clients once they walk away. Right. They will um, tell me just the little the things that had helped them the most to move forward by themselves. And it just gives me such um, satisfaction knowing that that's the part where I actually did my job, where they realized that they did it themselves and they recognized the places they were stuck and how they got out. Um, and then uh, just the other little stories um, that they use that we talk, that we have experienced, I guess is what I'm trying to say through our um, sessions um, when they would look back and say, yeah, that was a good point that we talked about. And I didn't realize it until now, you know, what it meant Um, Because that's what happens a lot of times, too, when you're working through sessions, they might not make sense at the time. But then as we go along, and you look back, then you're able to see how it all fits together and how you're able to keep going. And that is what really helps me a lot knowing to see how they work through it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you know, I think very highly of you, and I've always admired you. But then watching you, you know, in the, you know, the years since you lost Michaela, um, you've got that real nurturing spirit and kindness. And I think that having someone who's already been through a loss uh, uh, hold basically your hand uh, through, you know, y- your own loss is such a such a blessing. And I know that you experience mm-hmm. your own pain again because it opens wounds. Like you said, you see mm-hmm. yourself and many of your clients. Uh, again, mm-hmm. Sandy, how do people reach you? Again, if you're any kind of loss, whether it's, uh, you know, loss of a loved one, um, a, a family pet that's like a family member, um, a job, a divorce etc. How do they reach you? Um, 720-353-9573. Or um, my email is um, sangels4evr at gmail.com. But that's, I know that's hard to remember. So that's on my website, which is much easier to remember, spirit-coaching.net. Spirit-coaching.net spirit-coaching.net 720-353-9573 720-353-9573 A real blessing to have you. Uh, Thank you so much, Sandy Steffes. Thank you, Angie. Changing gears now, uh, let's welcome our friend Billy Hollowell with Faithwire, who's got some wonderful stories today. We're going to talk about a little girl who leaves the Red Sox players autograph line and asks someone else to sign her ball. Mike Pence and U2's Bono are uh, in exchanging some praise, and some people are outraged over it. And a culture to be redeemed, Hollywood execs convicting message for Christians. All right, let's talk to Billy now. Billy, let's start with the little girl. It seems like a sweet little story. Why did she leave the Red Sox players' autograph line to have someone else sign her ball? You know, I love this story because I feel like we've been living in this era of people being very confused about what it means to be a hero. And so you have this little seven-year-old girl, McKenna Woodburn, and she's standing in line with her parents. She wants to get a baseball signed by one of the players, and she looks over and she notices this woman, an Army reservist. Her name was Olivia Russell, standing nearby, and the woman was in uniform. And so this little girl knew at seven years old that, you know, this woman is a, is a hero. And so she leaves the line that she's been waiting in to get her autograph, brings the ball over 
to Olivia, the Army Reservist, and says, hey, will you sign this ball? And of course, you know, this, this woman's thinking, I'm not a player. You were in line to, you know, get a player to sign the ball. Um, but she says, of course I will. And they've struck up this little friendship now. But I mean, I just, I love the story because it really shows that there are, A, good parents out there teaching their kids well, and B, that there's hope, you know, for the next generation, I think. A lot of us are worried and rightfully so, but you see these little glimmers of hope. And so it's just a great story. I absolutely love that story. It sounds like my little girl Hope. That's something she would do. She's got her priorities straight, Billy. I uh, love that name. That's my actually my daughter's middle name. Oh, is my it? Daughter. I've got a faith and a hope. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's talk about U2's Bono, which is so funny because I remember once I was on the Stairmaster at like Gold's Gym in Venice. I used to live in California and I was next to some big meathead that, you know, I was friends with that, you know, was interested in me. And I said, oh, I love U2. He's like, I think, it's, I think it's a little early. I'm like, no, it's on my, it's in my headphones. I'm listening to it. All right, so you two's Bono and Mike Pence exchanging praise, and some people are out, outraged over it. What's this about? Well, you know, it's funny. We just talked about a story that kind of builds up your hope in the future, and this one sort of diminishes it a little because you have a situation where I just think so many people can't imagine how two people who might be on different sides politically could actually like each other or have a friendship or compliment one another. But what happened was you had Bono at the Munich Security Conference. He encountered Mike Pence, and the two of them have crossed paths before, um, back in 2003 and 2008, when PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS, was first um, you know, put out there, the initiative, by George W. Bush. Uh, Pence was a huge proponent of it, and Bono actually helped push it through using his celebrity um, to try to get that cause you know, to, to get moving there. So the two of them... They reconvene, they come together, and they exchange really kind words uh, for one another about PEPFAR. You know, Bono saying, hey, you know, I really appreciated that you stood up to try to help people with AIDS. And Mike Pence saying, hey, you know, it was really great that you helped push that through. And it was actually a really nice moment. But, of course, what happens is some liberals and fans of U2 who were just outraged. They couldn't believe that Bono would be so nice to Pence. And then you had this narrative coming out where a lot of people were saying, you know, how could you compliment him, Bono? He, you know, Mike Pence oversaw a huge increase in HIV AIDS in his state of Indiana. And so there were all these other narratives. And so in the story, we, we kind of touch on that a little bit. And we let people, we link people out to a story that may, might help them understand what was going on in Indiana, because that critique continues to pop up. But the premise of the story, I think the good glimmer here is, hey, you've got these two guys who are kind to each other, who are nice to each other, and we assume politically they're probably not um, on the same side, although they are both Christians. Well, yeah, and that, that's something, because that, there's a Bible, I think it's called The the Message that Bonner really likes, and um, it's real easy to read, and he was praising it, and someone went to the author, and this guy, it took him 10 years to write the message, and someone went to the author and said, oh my gosh, you two is Bono, just loves your Bible, and he said, who's Bono? And uh, <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. And um, so, I know, isn't that funny? And so, um, hilarious. now that he knows um, who it is, Eugene uh, Peterson, that's who wrote the message, Eugene Peterson, took him 10 years to translate the Bible in this. It's really easy to read, and it's wow. really cool. I actually looked it up and bought one, and then bought one for my brother and my nephew because it was so easy to read and they were kind of just starting to show some interest in the bible but were a little confused and i found out about it because of his bono article but anyway the the author now knows exactly who he is and they've done some things together now he's super flattered that bono is a huge fan of his bible so i thought that was cute so i knew that bono was a christian and it seems to be the big criticism that i'm seeing on the tweets from people re regarding this meeting between bono and uh and pence uh, is that uh, it says, the liberal librarian, for instance, says, Bono praises Pence for fighting AIDS when hundreds contracted HIV in Indiana due to his policies, and now I need a moment. So several people are saying that Pence's policies led to people contracting AIDS. Now, I know how AIDS is contracted. I don't know how Pence was in... I don't know how Pence was personally involved in them contracting AIDS. I don't quite understand that, but apparently he's blamed for people contracting AIDS in Indiana due to his policies. But the real story, and this is fast. I mean, the real story when you read, and obviously, I mean, it's ridiculous to accuse somebody. Of, you know, when you when you engage in risky actions, it, you know, you engage in risky actions, right. and so blaming that on him is just so silly to me. But the real story, actually, I thought showed some really interesting character in him, in that he was really opposed to needle exchanges, and 
and always had been and made an exception after, you know, being sort of urged to do so and talking with people in realizing that this contained problem in one rural county might need him to bend a little bit. And people can debate whether or not they think that's right. But it actually I thought there was a more interesting story behind all of this rather than just accusing him of something absurd. And we include actually a New York Times link that did a decent job of kind of recounting some of those facts oh. of the back and forth he went through. On okay, that good. So. It's always nice to have facts when you're tweeting things that are disparaging about someone. <laughs> okay, let's real quickly, we have about a minute. There's a culture to be redeemed. Hollywood execs are convicting, uh, giving, there's, a, there's a convicting message for Christians from them. Yeah, you know, this guy, Tyler, Tyler Zakaria, he is the executive producer of the new film Silence. And, you know, he, he basically is a Christian working in Hollywood. He works in finance. And his central message, we, we interviewed him about the film, and he said, look, Christians need to do more than just make movies that are sort of like sermons. You know, those movies are great, God's Not Dead and all the other films, um, but we need to do a little bit more. We need to dig deeper and we need to tell stories that might not always be pretty, but that, that have a message that artfully sort of conveys what we believe. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a really interesting perspective. And, you know, he's basically calling on Christians to engage, engage Hollywood. Sounds good to me. All right, your website. I love the fact that uh, there's a message behind your stories. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's the goal. That is the goal. And uh, we would love people to go to faithwire.com. We put out 10 to 15 stories a day. They're beautiful. Thank you very much, Billy. Thank you. Hi, it's Angie with the good news. I want to tell you about a little boy, Carson. He's eight years old, and his mom died of breast cancer. And I would love it if you would sponsor him for some art classes. Also, he doesn't like talking about his feelings after losing his mom, so he's taking dance and movement classes, and that therapy costs about $100. And so if you would like to sponsor eight-year-old Carson, who lost his mom to breast cancer, to these classes that he really enjoys, the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation would love to help. 720-530-9 482 or go to org. Do you feel down and lost in the past? Well, stop wearing the baggage of grief. You can set goals and move forward and stop getting caught in the pain of the past. Sandy Steffes with Spirit Coaching. She's been through it. She lost her daughter in elementary school and she now has an eight-week plan to get you out of your grief and out of your pain so you can feel joy again. Reach Sandy Steffes at Spirit Coaching, spirit-coaching.net, 720-353-9573. I highly recommend her. She's hope wonderful lady, and I know she can help you. When going to a chiropractor, you may be thinking that they won't be able to help you for the long term. However, Dr. Joe Arve at Maximize Living will change your mind. The moment you meet him, you will find that he is your best friend. He treats you like you are part of his family, and he truly cares about you and your health. He is very knowledgeable about long-term health and wellness. Through the use of spinal correction, he helps you discover what it takes to be a healthier you and will help you feel better even after your first adjustment. He will also share with you the essentials to healthy living so you can take your health back. No matter what stage of life you're in, he will help you develop a plan to achieve the goals you set. Get ready to make a positive change in your life. Give him a call at 303-457-8080. 303-457-8080 or spinegeek.com. Maximize living. Adjustments for life. Hey, it is Angie, joined by my friend, channel mom, Jenny Dean Schmidt, her own radio show. She's a TV news lady. That's how I met her. We work together, and we are going to talk today about her blog, Four Tips to Avoid Mom Meltdowns. And if we have time, we're going to talk about dating violence amongst teens. Are they teaching kids as young as sixth grade about that? And then a Russian newspaper telling women to be proud of their bruises. Oh, boy. All right, let's start with your blog, Jenny Dean Schmidt, Four Tips to Avoid Mom Meltdowns. I think I need these tips. Thank you. wrote them just for you, Ange. Actually, we have a number of bloggers that blog for us, and this particular blog was written by uh, Amber uh, Kanalikan. I'm not even sure how to pronounce her name, but she's been writing with us for a while. She's a mother of three, multiracial family, and she said she just needed for her own good to come up with the tips she uses to avoid mommy meltdowns, and I think they're fantastic. First of all, number one, she has four. Number one, take advantage of the shortcuts, and she says every mom's got to-do lists every single day, and she says find shortcuts in those lists. For instance, she rearranged the food budget 
it so her kids could eat at school more rather than her packing three lunches every day. Oh, yeah. Okay. I do that too. Right. And you know what? She also found a grocery store in her area that she could order her groceries online. They would pack them for her and she could go pick them up. And I thought, I need to find that grocery store. Anyway, that is how she took a shortcut on her to-do list. Mm -hmm. Number two was prioritizing me time. And one of our other bloggers, Kristen Spratt, wrote about this as well. Moms have a really hard time, and I know you do, Angie, feeling selfish if they take any time out for themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's key. Just like Mm -hmm. the oxygen mask rule in a plane, sometimes you got to breathe first so you can breathe life into other people. Mm -hmm. So she just says, take out time for yourself. Set aside one day a month to just take a bath or read a book, something just for mom time. Uh, number th- mom, Yeah, I do too. Number three, minimize whatever and wherever you can. She says one Saturday every couple of months, they have a purging day. And I love this because she says clutter is a huge trigger for stress and mommy meltdowns. And don't you agree? If there is clutter in my house, I feel like my life is cluttered. Oh, and my I'm hus- not- no, my husband melts down if it's cluttered. He loses it. It's like one of his <laughs> control things. Yeah, he just yeah. starts throwing out anything that he sees. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, hopefully not the kids. Yeah. Anyway, she has a purging day, and I recommend that for every mom. One bag for trash, one bag for giveaway, which is fabulous. Last tip that she has is go to church. She says focus more on, on eternity than laundry, and you can go any time of the week. There are you know Bible studies and mops groups and so on. She says it's just time to reset your perspective, take a little time out to breathe and, and talk to God, and I think it's a great piece of advice. So that particular blog is on channelmom.com, and I'd love it if people go look at that. Excellent. All right, so Nash. National Dating Violence Month and a presentation for 6th through 8th graders. What? That's a little young. I I thought so too, Ange. I didn't, first of all, I didn't realize that February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, but we got a notice from my daughter's school that they were going to have a presentation about it and they were going to learn about things like teen dating violence, specifically physical, emotional, verbal, and social boundaries, consent, staying safe. And by the way, all good stuff to teach your child about at some point, probably. In fact, they say 75% of parents don't ever talk to their kids about domestic violence. And we're about to talk about that in Russia. But I I thought, okay, we do need to talk to our kids about it. I'm not even sure if I've talked to my own kids about it. So I get it. But sixth grade, my kids aren't even allowed to date till they're 16. So I just thought it was a little early. But apparently it is a problem. 1.5 million high school students nationwide experience physical abuse when they're dating. One in 10 teens who've been on a date say they've been physically abused. So, So it's out there. And we certainly need to talk to our kids about it. I just didn't know how early we should be starting. And sixth grade seemed a little early to me. Yeah, it does uh, seem a little early to me. Maybe 8th, ninth, 10th, but 6th, yeah. Oh, that's like 11. I think that's a little early. All right. right so and, unless they just talked about um, the things, see, it's just hard to know how far they're going to go in their discussion. I could see that letting them know that no one's ever allowed to hit them or abuse them in any way, that would be okay. But I still think they're a little young for a lot of those topics at 11. All right. A Russian newspaper has claimed that victims of domestic violence should be proud of their bruises. And this, Jenny, comes on the heels of what we talked about about last week that Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a law which decriminalizes domestic violence, sparking allegations that his government is trivializing the problem. The penalties went from years to just weeks, and uh, mm-hmm. the financial penalties way, went way down, so it's more like a misdemeanor in our country per se. And so right. in this column in one of the uh, Russian newspapers, it said women have grounds to be proud of these bruises, and it cites research which found female victims are more likely to give birth to boys. And I'm not kidding you, Jenny, this is in 2017. Um, and it was branded by many who read the article retrograde, including the British Prime Minister uh, Ter- Theresa May. She was, you know, appalled by it, as are many w- women around the world who, like us, have rights, and where they're teaching in school that you know women have rights as you know young as sixth grade, as you just said. So, quite an article. I mean, that's a little shocking that w- they'd be going backwards in a, a country like Russia in terms of women's rights when it comes to domestic violence. Sure. And you know what? It's doubly demeaning to women. Because first of all, they're supposed to be proud of their bruises, which is not okay. And second of all, they're supposed to be proud of them because they're more likely to give birth to boys, according to some strange study. So apparently it's preferable to give birth to a boy instead of a girl. So it's kind of a double whammy against girls and women. Yeah, of course it's retrograde. I mean, just not not okay. And changing it from criminal to civil offenses, it's just strange and odd. And I hope women will not take that directive and will not be proud of their bruises. Right. I, I don't even 
even know how I let that, that stat slide. I was so focused on the be proud of your bruises and women who are beaten are more likely to have boys that I forgot about the whole point of like somehow it's better to have boys so be proud of your beating. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so bizarre on so many levels. I can't even wrap it my is. head around it. All right, Jenny, your website? Channelmom.com, radio show, podcast, all kinds of outreach for moms. We'd love you to come visit. Excellent. Thank you, friend. Yeah, you too, my dear. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.